We're gonna be calling Shannon Hyde. Downey, oh, this is your team. <laughs> please meet us at Dairy Queen. We miss you, Downey. Please. Please call your own Downey. My name is Shannon Hyde, and I'm ready to be your junior. That should be good. So, welcome back. Another episode of The Shannon Show. Uh, today's guest is the man behind Stephen Gregg. It is Dane Brennan. He is on the show. How you doing, man? Pretty good. Thanks for inviting me on the show. Yeah, very exciting. You know, I love talking to people, especially I've heard, I've just heard like bits and pieces of stuff you've been doing and we just talked like very briefly before the show. Mm-hmm. But uh, just tell me a little bit about what you've been up to as of recent. As of recent? How recent are we yeah. talking? Just like in the last few months or, or what? Yeah, sure. Like since, since uh yeah let's just say 2021 this year how, how's it going 2021 yeah uh this year's been been off to a very interesting start so um uh let me think about some 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 major events i mean other than just trying to survive i mean i'm currently at school um i have been well for the past year now and i'm going to be taking a break here soon so um but since like january of this year um uh, i mean i'm 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 dating this uh, this amazing girl her name is maddie uh we've we've known each other for about a year now um right. we didn't start dating until recently i mean but that's just like you know simple information that's just you know what i got going on that's fairly new um yeah uh i got a job i really enjoy um i'm working for my university uh, my job is pretty cool because i work with like well it's kind of hard to describe like the best way i can describe it is like i help i help students um with what's called exceptions so like let's say like I don't know just like as like a as like a as like a hypothetical, let's say like you're a student at my school and like last year you got super sick and like something happened that was entirely out of your control, um, and there was no way that you could have like changed the course of your grade because you know your circumstance just didn't allow for it, um, you know and so you you call me up and you tell me about what happened and how you know you just had you know just like the wrong the wrong deck of cards handed to you, and I'm able to help you know that student or whoever's calling to figure out. Yeah how to get what's called like an exception so we can maybe fix their grade. So it requires lots of diplomacy in terms of like, cause like a lot of students deal with like these really complicated issues, you know, like where like, you know, like they, they, they go through really rough things, you know, like family deaths or even, you know, just like, you know, uh, like lots of mental health. And so they call me up looking for some sort of way to like fix their, you know, to fix something that happened. And it's, you know, it's, it's a lot of responsibility on me, but I really enjoy the job because it, it puts me in a position where I really need to know how to communicate and help people to like, you know, really like resolve their problems in the best way yeah. possible, you know? So that's kind of what I've been doing since 2021 started, just working, um, you know, spending time with my girlfriend, things like that. Simple things, the things that I've always kind of wanted to do, you know? Yeah, that sounds like some pretty important stuff in terms of your job. I've never heard of anyone being in that position before. Do you know if that's like a fairly common thing amongst It isn't, it isn't though, yeah. Oh. No, it really isn't. Um, so every, so as far as I know, um, every university department and every university is like nationwide, um, like whether you're talking about like the accounting office or like the financial aid office or admissions or whatever it may be, yeah. every office has what's called a petitions office where like, and I know, for example, like, let's say something happened and like, I know for a lot of universities, like if you want to like drop a course at a certain period in the semester, you need to pay for the course again. Yeah. Um, and sometimes there are circumstances that happen where like you, you know, like that, that fee to have to pay for the course should be waived based mm-hmm. off of, you know, like what you went through. And so, you know, you can call the, you, know, uh, you can call it the accounting office and, and get some sort of waiver or, you know, file some sort of petition to not have yeah. to pay. Um, but that being said, like only, like, I mean, especially at my university, there are only like, I, I, it's, it's me and two other people who do what I do for my office. Wow. 
Um, so it's uh, it's definitely like a hyper specialized kind of thing where like we need to be familiar with not only like the school's policy, but also a lot of legal policy too. There's a lot of different laws and regulations that like are actual federal laws that I need to be aware of before I can ask for information or give out information and things like that. And so, uh, you know, that's why they pay me the big bucks, but I really enjoy it. <laughs> it. It reminds me, it reminds me a lot of like how like actual attorneys work. Yeah. That's what because it sounds you have, like. like clientele. Yeah. You have, you have clientele who go to attorneys for some sort of issue and the attorney is responsible to know what, you know, like what they're working with, like with like, you mm-hmm. know, like their client situation, what the law lets them do and then how to kind of navigate around it. And that's, that's yeah. like, I mean, honestly, like at the end of the day, like that's really what I'm working with. You know, I have to pay attention to our policies and then the law that dictates what I can and cannot do, you know? So is this what you want to do in the future though? What's your, what's your major? Well, looking like? I feel like it's a, I feel like it's a great segue into what I want to do in the future. So my major, or my, my major right now is international studies and then I'm yeah. getting a minor in, in, in Russian and Slavic studies. Um, and so what I want to do for, for a future occupation is pretty simple um, in terms of, you know, the actual title. It's just I want to get into diplomacy. Um, so I want to I want to uh, work in embassies. The actual like official title is called a foreign service officer. Um, and so uh, as far as I know, and I'm not really sure of like the specifics of how this works, but um, I've been told that I don't need an actual college degree. But that being said, I'm going to get one anyways, just as a safety net. Um, the way to get into this field of work is you need to take what's called the foreign service exam, which is the super large comprehensive exam. That's like, it's like seven parts or something that spans over the course of like six or seven months. Um, and it's like, it's like a really immersive exam. It's one of the most competitive exams you can take in the U S for any government agency. But if I'm in, um, then I'll just, I'll be doing like, you know, I'll be doing like diplomatic work, um, in different embassies all over the world for the rest of my career. That and that's awesome. kind of what I wanted. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the work I'll be doing is probably very similar where I'll be dealing with individuals and, you know, individual concerns and I'll have to work with the laws that the land allow me to work with. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but that being said, like, I haven't really, I've never worked in that field before. So like, I don't really know the actual specifics, but I know enough about it that, that, you know, I'm, I'm interested and I want to, I want to try, you know, at least to get in. Yeah, so, you, so yeah, you're going to be doing a, a lot of traveling for. in your future, it sounds like, uh, especially in that field. I plan on it, yeah. I plan on it for sure. Which which makes sense, because you've done you've done a lot already, and that's what I want to kind of get into next is I met you at Kubasaki. Oh, obviously. sure, we'll, for sure. Well, well, we can talk about Kubasaki just a little bit right now. We can get into it more later. But Kubasaki, right. looking back on it from your perspective, how do you, how do you view your time there? I loved Kubasaki. Um, so, uh, pretty much all of my, like, early, like, academic life, I just kind of messed around and I didn't really focus. It wasn't until Kubasaki that I really, like, got my stuff together and really, like, yeah. buckled down and started focusing on my education. And I really enjoyed I was in, I was at Kubasaki for my junior and my senior year. Mm-hmm. If you have any foreign listeners, that's just 11th and 12th grade. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I, I really enjoyed, um, my time there because I really, like, worked hard to, you know, like, improve my overall academic success and like really make sure that my GPA was up but I got involved in a lot of things that I never got involved in before like like up until that time like I did a lot of theater which is where I met you right um and I really Um, enjoyed it theater theater helped with my public speaking a lot yeah I did because public speaking is a large part of what I do now um and just speaking in general and like communications um I got involved in like the debate team uh which was called model congress and I didn't think I would, you know, even I, I never thought I would actually ever do something like that. 
Um, but I ended yeah. up excelling at it. And I, you know, was the president of that, of that club. And I really loved it. And it taught me a lot about, you know, current events and geopolitics, which I just found myself really interested in even now, Yeah. you know, so I feel like Kubasaki was, you know, at least, I mean, even though it was only two years of my high school career, it, it was, um, it, I feel like those two years gave me so much in terms of like, you know, like realization into, into what I actually enjoyed doing and what I wanted to pursue as a future career, you know? Yeah. So what flipped the switch for you then? Cause you said you weren't too into yeah. your academics. So once you got there, what was the difference? Uh, I don't know. Um, so I had a, I had a knee injury my freshman year that really made things difficult my sophomore year of high school. And I, I was really into doing sports and I realized pretty soon after that I wasn't going to be able to continue um, doing anything athletic because of that. And so, um, I, you know, I went to this new school in this new environment and I just thought, well, I have a perfect opportunity to just try something entirely different and see if I like it. Um, Cause I knew I wasn't going to be at Kubasaki long. And so I was like, well, I mean, you know, if, if there are, if there are things offered, like, why not give it a shot? Um, and I guess that was just kind of my mindset. It was like, well, like, why not send it? Um, I, I tried track and field too, just like, you know, I, I tried a bunch of things, everything that, you know, potentially piqued my interest. Um, and a couple of things stuck and a couple of things didn't, which is chill. But I guess, uh, I mean, looking back on it, I just kind of considered myself in a position where I was in a new environment. I had a lot that I could do and a lot that I used to do, but I couldn't do anymore. So I'm like, well, I might as well go find something new. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's an awesome way to get acclimated to a new environment. Absolutely. Just yeah. trying a bunch of things and going for it. I think right. that's a great yeah, yeah. message for a lot and, of people. You know, some, yeah. Like, and sometimes things stick and like you enjoy them and sometimes yeah. you don't, but like you don't know if you enjoy something. until. So that's kind of how that started. Um, and overall, I really enjoyed my time at Kubi. It was a great school. I mean, I, I have really fond memories of Kubasaki in general. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was too. a very, like, yeah. yeah. I feel like it was. I feel like it was a very relaxed environment. Um, you know, I mean, like, I I, I enjoyed both my high schools because I went to two of them, but mm. Kubi, I'd say, was like one of my favorites for sure. So you do graduate from Kubisaki, uh, your senior year. That I, th- I always thought that was awesome. Yeah. I wish I could have graduated there. It was just it's such a small community. It seems like a pretty yeah. special occasion. Yeah, but it was. you end up going to Slovakia. I'll let you take over from here because I don't know too much yeah, about what you're doing. So please. So just yeah. in a, in, in a nutshell. So, I mean, I was, I was debating doing this for a long time and I, so um, just kind of like, as like, as like a preface to what I'll say. And a lot of, I mean, if, if anybody is listening, like sure. we'll probably get an idea as to what's going on. Um, so I went, I went on this, I went on this two year mission for my church um, just as a, as a quick nutshell to what I'm about to say, just kind of help you understand. And I always knew that like this, this missionary service was optional. And I, yeah. I could have chosen not to, and or, or I, I could have chosen, you know, and I obviously chose to go. Um, but I kind of wrestled with the idea of it because when you when you when you apply for this missionary service, you don't get to choose where you go. Um, oh, wow. That's, that's yeah, that's that's decided for you. And that's crazy. Um, I mean, you can. I I mean, if you want to, I, I could show you later, like the actual like church website. You can see a list of all the all the potential missions that you can go to. And certain countries have like multiple missions. Yeah. Um, and it's a, it's a two year, like full time service where like my entire life for two years is missionary work. Um, and so essentially like, um, I don't have weekends off. I mean, I'm not, I'm not gonna like watch TV. Like my, my, my like my time out there yeah. for two years is dedicated to my service to other people. And now obviously that's, you know, quite deterring for some, cause they're like, what the heck? Like I'm going to go spend two years of my life. It's a long time. You know? It's a long time, and there there are a lot of restrictions 
as to what you can do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so you're pretty much just turning yourself around a hundred percent. And so that's, that was like a huge part of like the whole debate was like, well, do I really want to, you know, like put myself in a position where I'm going to just, you know, dedicate myself two years to missionary work and then potentially, you know, put myself out there and get somewhere where I'm like, I don't really want to go there. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I guess at the end of the day, I was like, you know what, screw it. Like, let's, let's do it. Um, Cause what it came down to was I, I recognized um, that, you know, I've really benefited from like what my church has offered me growing up. Um, I've, I come from a really good home and I, I know that there are people out there that would really like opportunities like I had. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it was like, well, if I can be put in a position that can give me some experience, at least overseas or somewhere where I can, I can help other people in their circumstances with what I can, with, you know, with, with what I have, with, with what I've been given, then why not? Right. So like that, yeah. okay, like, let's do it. So I, I started the process for filing out my papers and, you know, I had to get approved from not only the U S government, but also the Japanese government. Um, because there was a potential that I would go international, which ended up happening. And so I think it was in May of like 2017, um, that I get this, I get this package or I get this, this, this like letter back from my church. It's an official letter signed by like our churches, what it's, it's called, it's called the first presidency. They're just kind of in charge of yeah. it all. And, um, it kind of outlines where I'm going and what language I'm supposed to be learning. Wow. And when you get that letter, it's super nerve wracking because you're not entirely certain, like what's going to be in it. You know, yeah, like, I, I, I can I imagine. Gone, I could. Can you decline at this point? You can, yeah, you can. You can decline up until a certain point, um, but you know, once you go, you go. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, I could have gotten, you know, freaking Madagascar or like, you know, Hong Kong yeah. or. Kenya. Was there anything you were hoping for? I was hoping for Europe. Um, yeah. At least, I mean, I was studying Russian in high school on my own, and I really enjoyed like Russian culture, um, but I didn't get Russia. So, yeah. so I remember you speaking it's, Russian. Yeah. Yeah. So like the name of my mission was called the Czech Slovak mission. Okay. Um, and it was just, it was, it was two countries. It was the, it was, uh, the Czech Republic and Slovakia. Um, now when I got my, when I got my mission letter, I was kind of confused because I didn't know much about that part of the world. Yeah. Um, and so I thought, because like basically what it said was I, I you know, I, I, I was called to, to serve in the Czech Slovak mission. Um, and that, uh, like, um, the actual language I was, I was, to learn or, or supposed to speak out there was, was Slovak, the language of Slovakia. But what I didn't know at the time was that Slovak, uh, what, you know, I, I thought that Slovak was spoken in the Czech Republic. Um, I didn't actually know that Slovakia was a country. Um, that's, that, that's where I was called to like, like primarily, like that was like my actual location. Yeah. And so um, I, well, basically what happens is like, like naturally I, I got my letter and I was like, oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. Like, this is interesting. Like, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll go out there. Like, I've never been there before, and that sounds like a great experience. Mm -hmm. So um, when it's time to leave, I left in July. Um, I, head, I headed to an area in, in Provo, Utah, where I basically learned the language for about nine weeks. I learned, like, all, wow. the, all the fundamentals of Slovak from people who were missionaries there once upon a time. Yeah, They're all Americans, but they all spoke Slovak great. And so I learned, like, the fundamentals of the language. And then, I think it was September of 2017, I'm flown out from Salt Lake City to, I go from Salt Lake to Frankfurt, from Frankfurt to Prague. And then I take like a 10 hour train to an area called Nitra, which is a tiny Slovak town. Um, and I'm just in this town for like four months or so for the first four months of my, of my time there. Yeah. And every couple of months you move to different cities. So I was in a town called Nitra for four months and you're just, you're just thrown into the water. Like you're just yeah, expected so to get quick, out there. Like what's, 
what's your gut reaction? Like you land, you get on this train. What are you thinking? Like, are, is there any like regret? Is there any like surreal oh, feeling? I'm like, um, I was, I was, um, experienced culture shock. Yeah. Um, but like being out there, it's, it's not like anywhere I've ever been before. Like Slovakia is a fairly poor former, uh, former communist country. Okay. Um, and so just like the overall like social culture, like the mindset, like the way it all looks, it's just very backwards and different compared mm-hmm. to where I come from. So I was completely out of my element. I mean, I have never yeah. been that, that out of my element before. Um, cause you know, I, I consider myself fairly capable when it comes to traveling, but when I was there in the environment that I was in, it was just very different for me. So, um, yeah, that was, that was definitely a culture shock to say the least. But as I was saying, like you're in, you're in these different towns every couple of months and you'll move, um, depending on wherever, like your actual mission president wants you to go to. Yeah. And so I, um, I was in for the, for the first four months, I was in a town called Nitra, uh, which is Southwest Slovakia. Um, it's bordering Hungary. Um, I don't know if you're looking at a map, but I mean, you can kind of see where these places are. Mm. Then I moved, I I took a 10 hour bus four months later to a town called Kosice which is on the east bordering Ukraine. Then I went all the way back across the country to the capital city of Bratislava, Slovakia. And then I spent four months in the Czech Republic in a town called Brno. Um, and that's Northeast Czech Republic. That borders Slovakia to the west. And then, from, okay. and then my last area for the last four months of my mission was spent in a town called Zilina. Um, and so to give you an idea as to the kind of work I would, I would, I would do yeah, is please, I would just... Yeah. Um, I mean, so other than, I mean, a, a lot of what I did was I would teach individuals who were in, interested in what we were as a church and kind of like what we stood for. Um, and mm-hmm. so people would oftentimes like, you, you know, we would, we would do our fair share of looking for people who would, who, you know, who would potentially be interested in, but people would reach out to us or, you know, contact us on the street to be like, Hey, like, what are you guys? Like, what do you do? And we'd explain yeah. like where we're from and like how our purpose was to just kind of teach like the principles of like our church to those who wanted to learn about them, you know? Um, and so whenever people had interest, we would just kind of meet up with them and, we're, you know, wherever they were comfortable and we would mm-hmm. just kind of, you know, let them know like, Hey, like, this is what we do. Um, like, this is what we, this is what we believe. And we kind of help them understand, like, you know, um, kind of, you know, like, like what we're all about, but a majority of my mission, as I said, was spent, uh, doing humanitarian work, yeah. uh, for, for people who come from very, very low income housing or just had no homes at all. Um, because, so did you, uh, sorry, go ahead. No, please go ahead. Oh, no. So I was just wondering, did you feel well prepared whenever you got there? Or did you feel that you were still lacking in some sense? You say you spend nine um, weeks learning the language. or I just can't imagine being prepared for this situation. I felt well prepared enough to a point yeah. where I could get by with like the basics of the language. But when it came yeah. to understanding like like the whole social culture of the people, that I was totally unprepared for that. Okay. Um, but luckily enough, so I was always with another person who was more experienced. Okay. Um, so when, so when I get there, so I basically like, I'm living with like, with like, with like a roommate and him and I do everything together. Right. Um, they call it, they call it a companion. So essentially I'm with, I'm with this guy. Um, and, uh, he knows a lot more than I do about like the language and the culture. And he, he's already been there before me okay. for, you know, sometimes he, he, so he, he knows the area at least. So for the first couple of weeks I was there, I would just kind of follow him around until eventually I got comfortable enough with, with my environment to be able to, you know, do things on my own and help, okay. you know, whoever is with me. So it kind of like, you know, flips at one point where I'm, I'm the more experienced one as opposed to the under-experienced one. Does that make sense? Yeah. So do more people come in to the area that are doing the same thing as you and you become like that mentor? Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Like over, over, over time, like, you know, mm-hmm. if I, I mean, like it came to a point where I was there for a year 
And so by that point, I was already really familiar with like, you know, with like the people, the language, yeah. the area. And so, um, you know, somebody comes to me, I'm paired with somebody else and, and I, I'm able to help them, you know, navigate around and figure themselves out. And I'm already established and comfortable and I'm helping them to get there too. Yeah. So what work specifically are you doing? You're talking about the humanitarian work. Yeah. So a lot of humanitarian work I did, which I really enjoyed doing, which also really helped me understand like what I want to do for a future career. One thing that I can think about specifically is, so we have, we have these, these, uh, well, we call, we call them senior missionaries. They're, they're married couples, um, in their sixties and seventies that are also volunteers. Cause like wow. none of us get paid for any of this. None of us get yeah. paid for this. They're also volunteers. They don't speak the language. They're not required to, but they are, they are like, for example, like, the two, the two that I would work with most often, they were, they were the Schultzes, the, like, you know, the Schultz, yeah. Mr. and Mrs. Schultz. Um, <laughs> they were from Nevada um, and they didn't speak any Slovak or Czech, but their job as humanitarian missionaries was to work with, with local governments to help a group of people um, uh, known, as, known as the Romani or also known as the Gypsies in certain parts of East Slovakia to, for example, get running water or electricity or to, you know, help local governments to supply them with better housing. Um, and so that was kind of like a majority of what we do. So I remember moments where we, we would meet with, with, with local government officials from Slovakia in different villages or whatever we were in. Yeah. And we would be in these big old board meetings and they would be the ones who would kind of, you know, uh, introduce ideas and concepts that the church could help, you know, provide financially you know, and then the government yeah. would, would be able to respond. With, and we basically just made deals back and forth about, okay, like what can we contribute and how can we work together to figure out a good situation for these people? But those meetings needed to be translated. So I would, I would literally interpret live um, from English wow. to Slovak or yeah. from Slovak to English back and forth. And we're talking like, we're talking like government, like we're talking like, like official, like, like very, very important, you know, and then like, and like, like the word choice was very important. Um, when it came to like translating back and forth because the other, you know, like the, like yeah. the, um, you know, like, like basically like um, the group or like the meeting needed to understand what was being said and like what was being agreed on. And we're talking financial, we're talking like, you know, like legal speak. And so I needed to really improve my vocabulary, which is super cool because I would yeah, spend sure. my time studying like, you know, like, like official words and like a bunch of other things that would be, you know, that, like that would be potentially helpful to translate like an official government meeting. And so that was ever, did you ever like completely mess something up? Like you just like butcher a translation (laughs) all the time. Yeah. All the time. I I would butcher things all the time. And then like, I had to stop and think and be like, all right, sorry. Like one second, like I need to figure out how I'm supposed to say this correctly. Yeah. And there, there are many times where like, I'm like, "Hmm, I like, I don't know how to say that word, but like, I'm going to do my best to translate like the overall meaning. Yeah. Cause at the end of the day, like interpretation, if, if you don't have any script to follow, um, you just got to figure out the best way to translate the meaning in order to get, you know, like, like yeah. you know, the, uh, the, uh, the idea across, as opposed to focusing too much on the actual word choice. You know what I mean? So that's so kind of what I did for a long time. Did you develop sort of a routine while you were there? Like every day kind of had its own layout that you yeah. became accustomed to? Yeah. Well, so every day was fairly different. Um, uh, we would, we would wake up and do like a couple of different things. Like we'd work out, but then at around 9am every day, um, me and me and my companion or whoever I was living with at the time, we would sit down and we would we would plan out our day um, to I mean yeah. like to like the actual minute like we would kind of like go through and say okay like like what like what are we looking to accomplish today like like what are our goals mm-hmm. and then we would kind of say okay like we're gonna be here you know like like we have a lesson with this homie at like six you know what I mean like we're gonna yeah. have lunch at this time 
And so every day was fairly different based off of what we had planned on previously. Um, I typically did my translations on Saturdays. Um, but like throughout the week, we would just kind of teach people in our own, in our own town where we were living um, and kind of do things like that. And occasionally we had activities. I would teach English a lot too. I would teach English yeah. every Wednesday. We, we, we would play games with people every, every Tuesday. And so it's kind of dependent on the day, but we would, we would plan them out every day. What's it like teaching English to someone? I always hear like English is so hard to learn. It's so hard to learn. Uh, is it difficult English is really difficult. See, here's the thing. If you understand language, if you understand English and like the way it works and like all the parts of speech, mm-hmm. um, and then you also understand like the language you're teaching in, um, it's not that hard. And like the way, like the reason okay. why I say that is because like, um, personally, like I, I really like languages and like, I don't have any, hard, I, don't, I don't have like a hard time learning them. So when I was teaching, when I was teaching English, I was teaching it from Slovak to English. And at that point in time, I had a really good understanding as to how Slovak worked. Yeah. And I really understood like how like how like Slovaks thought, and like you know like how and, and like um the way we speak is largely due and it's largely due in part to the way we think, and so I understood like the Slovak mindset, and so I was able to I was able to explain English concepts in a way that made sense to like the average Slovak brain. Yeah, and that's kind of what I did. But so interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't really have uh, lesson plans. I would just get up there, and whatever they wanted to discuss, we would just kind of get into, and I would just kind of make it up on the go, you know. Because yeah. the best way to learn is to just get thrown into the fire, in my opinion, and just practice conversations on, you know, random everyday topics, you know? Okay. Yeah. Um, so what, like, what was, yeah. what was your housing situation like, or where were you living? And then is the area in general, I'm trying I to did, like just to paint yeah. a picture, is, is it very rural? Um, some parts are rural, like yeah. some, some, uh, some towns were rural and some towns were more, were more urban. Um, yeah. So let me think. My first area or my first town of Nitra, that was rural. That was about yeah. 60,000 people. I okay. lived in a small apartment complex on the outskirts of the city to the south in an area called Hrenova. Um, And it was just like a small apartment complex, but there were still quite a few apartments in that area. But you know, it's, it's largely, largely a farming town. When yeah. I lived in the capital city, I lived in a high rise on the outskirts of the city um, in an area called uh, Dubrauka. Um, and there were tons of apartments there. I mean, it was it was a very yeah. urban location, so it just it just depended on like this and the air. But um, yeah, there's only like two major Slovak towns, and everything else is just are just small little. I mean, honestly, just small little villages. To be honest with you. Yeah. So, is there anything like overarching, overarching? I guess things that you learned while you were there, like looking back on the entire time you were there. Yes. Any lessons yeah. or things? Yeah, please. Yes, one, one huge lesson that I learned. So, and I'll kind of explain it like this. When I was in high school, um, I mean, like, especially like my last two years of high school, um, you know, I, I found lots of success by doing things for myself. You know, like yeah. I, would, I would do like clubs and stuff for my own benefit and I would pass my own tests and do my own homework. And so um, that was kind of how I, how I understood and measured success as if I did something for myself. When I... I went and I started doing things for other people and nothing was about me anymore. I realized that I was much happier. I was much more capable and overall I felt much more successful. And so I feel like, like the number one thing that I could take away from my time out there is that, um, and I I still apply this even now is that um, I, I I feel like anybody can gain success and happiness when we, when we uh, focus less on ourselves and more on other people. Interesting. Yeah, that's a great message. Were you disconnected from like, 
I don't want to say the grid, but like social media or like, how do you oh, keep yeah. in touch with people? Yeah, completely. I didn't. Um, I, yeah, completely. I had, I had email and wow. I was only able to look at it every Monday. Um, <laughs> once a week? You yeah. Can look at your email? yeah. Once a week. I couldn't look at my email during the week. So if anybody wanted to contact me, they had to do it Mondays. And I, you know what I mean? Or if they, yeah. if they would hit me up on like a Wednesday, I couldn't call them or talk to them until Monday. Um, and for the first like year of my time there, I could only call my family every like like once every six months. Um, but then for for the last six months of my of my mission, I could call them every Monday. But even so, I couldn't call, yeah. call them throughout the week. So I was completely disconnected from social media. I didn't have an Instagram or Facebook. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't. I couldn't use any of that. I couldn't go watch YouTube videos either. Like I was just, you know, I would read books. I would study. Yeah, you know, and I think a large a large part of the reason why is because uh, we were expected to do what we could to focus on what on on you know on on what our task was, you know, it was service, it was it was teaching others and stuff like that. Which honestly, like I thought was kind of cool because it was really nice to get away from how I busy bet, the yeah. world was. You know, it was super nice to be able to get away from like how busy like life was like on social media, and I had no distractions, and I was never stressed either, which is great because I would like have like yeah. a full schedule and wake up every morning at like 6 30 and just be on the grind all day but i was totally fine you know wow so i didn't have no bulky phone to like distract me at all you know yeah was there anything that you missed while you were there that you didn't realize until like a good amount of time afterwards yes. like any big uh, yeah. events um so when i got back i i felt really disassociated with like what was going on because there were a lot yeah. of like i was i got back in like 2019 and i was like who Billy Eilish. I was like, who is this? <laughs> and I had no idea in my life. Yeah. I, was like, oh, I guess I guess she's popular. Um, like during my time, like, um, there there were a lot of like there were a lot of like events that happened, like a lot of concerts that I wish I could have gone to, and just mm. a lot of things that like pertain to like social media and like music that I didn't that I missed out on. But yeah. like, I really missed music when I was there because I wasn't able to listen to like you know the kind of music I usually listen to. Yeah. AKA rap and hip hop because I like that kind of stuff or just rock in general, anything really. Um, and so I was really excited to come back and start listening to like music again. Um, and so, yeah. And so that, that was, that was fun, but it's really weird when you come back and everything is just, you know, so new again, you know, it's yeah, like, how do you, you go back to the start? same world that you were, I mean, like you go back to the same world that you were once a part of, but now you're so distanced from it that you have to find your way to get back into it and just get used to it again. And so it took a long time. It took me like a good four months to actually freaking figure myself out. I couldn't talk to girls. I was so, I was so awkward. Yeah. I was like, what am I doing? I was like, what do I say to you? Hi, how are you? Like, I don't know. I, I just felt so weird. Um, but after, after I, I cannot time, imagine. Just got more and more normal. Yeah. Did you, um, this is kind of unrelated, but did you, were you back in touch whenever you figured out that Connor was like TikTok famous? Or in his terms, uh, TikTok famous? <laughs> No, yeah, actually, so Connor, Connor got TikTok famous, and I was like, he, he would, he would tell me about it, um, <laughs> every, every Monday or so for like the last four or five months of my time out there, and I was like, no way, doc. But yeah, like I got back, and um, he was, yeah, I just, I thought it was really funny because I had no idea what TikTok was. I oh, um, yeah, that was so crazy get back, to hear. I get back, and I'm like, so TikTok, huh? I was like, is it like Vine? And uh, pretty much, I knew. I knew, yeah, yeah, because like I knew, I knew that Vine had been canceled or whatever, or like had been shut down. Yeah. And so I was like TikTok, and Connor was like, just download it, and I was like, I did, and I don't know, I'm happy I did. It was freaking funny. Um, 
but yeah, I had I had no idea what that meant because Connor would tell me all these things and I'm like, I don't know what that means. Yeah. Another another big thing that I forgot about just until now was like all memes, like all of them, they made no sense. I had no idea what memes oh, were. Oh wow. Like because like I, I was still stuck on like oh man, uh like what like what were some popular memes from like 2017? Think I about it. Like Harambe? Like, yeah. Imagine imagine like imagine like going away for two years and just like living in an entirely different planet and then coming back. And having to like be familiar with all of like the internet jokes that are out there, Jeez. you know what I mean? You were like really in touch with them, if I remember too. Like you were, you had good. Yeah, memes, I really like, was. Very... <laughs> I really was. And so I come back and I'm like so out of it. I'm like, I don't know what this means. And Connor's like, look at this. This is funny. And I'm like, I don't understand it. And he's like, oh, like you had to be here in 2018. I'm like, yeah. what? <laughs> like, That's like. And so it's funny, like what happens, in, like you know, what happens in the internet community after only a couple of months, and I'm gone for two years. Yeah, you're absolutely so, right. I never, I never even thought about it like that. So that must have been yeah. quite the shock. So was there a bigger culture shock going to Czech Republic in Europe, or coming back to the states? You think? Coming back, coming really? back a hundred percent. Yeah. So going there, it was weird, but it took some time to, you know, it, I, I mean, I feel like after enough enough time, I was I was acclimated and I was okay, right? Yeah. Um, coming back, coming back was very different, and I think the reason why is because when you go there you have people who can relate to you you have people yeah. who know what it's like and like like they just they just understand that you're new and that like they, they pretty much know how you're feeling right they're like we get it so hear me oh yeah i got you now i got you, you now? now yeah yeah i'll just i'll just repeat what i was saying um yeah going home, back yeah 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 going going back nobody nobody understood what i experienced and yeah. nobody understands you know like what i'm going through and so there's there's nobody to kind of walk me through it yeah um i'm almost i'm almost entirely on my own and so i am responsible for figuring my own life out you know i can't depend on other people and so it's just entirely on me to kind of acclimate myself back into my environment whereas going out there there are people who understand what you're going through and they can help yeah. you walk through it you know what i mean so that was the hard part about it you know yeah so a part of the church is there any resources for people who are coming back and dealing with those issues oh, in particular tons tons yeah. and yeah like um like like the church is, is super helpful and like you yeah. know like they're they're but like another another big thing about our church that i've always really appreciated is um they well how do i how do i kind of explain it like um i feel like like the church is, is very um kind of uh what's the right word i'm looking for when it comes to personal growth, yeah. um, like church, and I, I feel like this is just like the way that I experienced it, but there are always people that you can reach out for and there always have been, but at the yeah. same time, um, you know, I feel like church leaders and things like that will give us adequate, you know, adequate opportunity to figure out, you know, like, like, like to figure out life for ourselves, which I've always really appreciated because um, sometimes, you know, like we will be in positions where like we won't have other people to help us out. And, um, you know, yes, obviously there are resources that we can, we can have and like reach out to. Um, but at the end of the day, like sometimes we just need to figure ourselves out. And, um, that's kind of what it just came down to, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like it was difficult for me, but I wouldn't have wanted somebody to walk me through the process of coming home because sometimes yeah. um, the best way to learn is to teach yourself, you know? Um, and so, yeah, naturally, like I had, I had church leaders that I could go and talk to and I had friends that I would call and like I had support, you know? Yeah. Um, and although, although my family didn't really understand what I was coming back from and like what I was acclimating myself to, 
um, I still had tons of opportunities and I still felt loved and appreciated, you know? Yeah. So that's great. Yeah. Were you ready to leave after those two years? Were you like, I want to go back definitely. to the States? Yeah. Yeah. Most definitely. Like, well, see, I think it's because like I had always, under, I, 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 I always knew that like it was just a two year experience. Yeah. Right. So as those, as those two years were approaching slowly and slowly, like as, as it got closer to that deadline, by the time the deadline came, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm ready for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause I had, I had understood previously that it was just a two year service, you know? Um, and yeah. so when, when those two years came, I guess my brain was like, yep, it's ready. Yeah, it's, it's time essentially, you know, like, like yeah. my, my, my service is up. Yeah. Did you make like real formidable friendships and relationships there? That... I did. Yeah. I, I, I really did. And I, I'm still, I, I'm, I'm, I'm still talking to a lot of the people that I met. In fact, most of my friends, other than, you know, my, my, my current roommate and like, my girlfriend, for example, like, but like most yeah. everybody else in my life who I've met, who I've met over the years, they're all from those two years, all of them. Mm -hmm. um, wow. And we still do things together and like, I'll still call them up and we'll still hang out. And so I've made some seriously like super like lifelong friendships for real. That's awesome. That's a great experience. I know there's a lot of challenges that definitely came with it, but. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But like with, with all the challenges, like I wouldn't take it all back for a second, you know? Yeah. Like I, I, I wouldn't have made any other choice. Like I'm happy I went and it really like helped me to figure out like where I'm going and who I am and what I want to, like what I want to become specifically. Yeah. That's really important. Wherever you tell people now, like where you're coming from, is it hard for them? Like, what's the reaction? They're really like, yeah, I spent two years there and then 4,000 uh, Japan, fun fact. So, yeah, I mean, people, I mean, it's funny, like I consider myself to be a fairly reserved person when people ask yeah. me like where I'm from and where I've been like, I don't know. Like I, I just, I kind of explain it. Like when people are like, Hey, where are you from? I'm like, Oh, like my dad's in the military. Yeah. And usually they're like, oh, okay. And I'm like, yeah, so that means everywhere. That means all over the place. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, it, it's, it's difficult to explain to people like where I've come from and like where I've been, but um, I do my best. And like, mm -hmm. I usually just give them like a very watered down, short, easy answer. And if they want more context, I'll fill them in, you know, yeah. I'll tell them about it. So it's, it's a, it's a, it's a good conversation starter for sure. Yeah. So you mentioned, you know, obviously being a military kid, that's what my podcast is actually all about. Not sure. Not if you knew yeah. that, but is there anything that you learned from being a military kid over those 18 years that you think helped you? Or is this just a completely different beast? No, no. I, I feel like, I feel like there was a lot that helped me. Um, so a lot of, a lot of the guys that I ended up going out with, mm -hmm. like when it came to us leaving and going to the country, they had never left their hometowns before. In fact, yeah. like the farthest, the farthest any of them, um, and so, um, being the only one out of six of us to ever leave the country or to have lived outside of the country for a while, I had never been on like an actual plane before. So, um, you know, I, I felt like I was like a good resource for them if they had any questions or concerns to kind of let them know like how it works, you know, yeah. like, oh, don't worry. Like, and I remember having to walk them through like the process for like checking in your baggage and like going through TSA, yeah. you know, and I was like, it's not that hard. Like, I was like, don't bring liquids. It's like don't you know what i mean i, I kind of walked yeah, through seems, the process seems so natural yeah but like my my experience overseas really helped me to know how to um i suppose like um what's the word i'm looking for like um like reestablish myself in a in a new mm -hmm. culture because as americans we have our own culture as you know and in japan for example they have a very different culture Period, right yeah. and if if you're if if you're familiar with like what it's like to be in japan then you're familiar with like certain japanese customs just to be polite mm -hmm. right 
Now, a lot of people who have never left their home country don't realize that other cultures have very different mannerisms that they consider rude or that they consider polite um, in terms of anything, really, how they how they speak, how loud they speak, how they eat, everything, you know? Yeah. And so being in Slovakia, I recognized, I, I had to recognize very quickly what their culture was and how it differed from my culture, you know, which was easy yeah. for me to acclimate myself to. But uh, for a lot of them, they were just like, what is going on? Like, why are they so mean? Like, no, they're not mean. Slovaks yeah. are very straightforward people. They're, 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 they're a very straightforward, very like straight to the point kind of people. And that's always how it's been. And that's just their culture, you know? Yeah. So that helped. Was, there, was there any perception of them t- towards Americans, I guess I could say, that you recognized? Yeah. Um, a lot of the older generations really did not like the U.S. Yeah. Um, and that's large in due part, you know, of like, you know, like former former communism and like the former Soviet Union. Because mm-hmm. um, they were just kind of trained to, to not, I mean, at a very young age, they were educated that the United States was, you know, this this capitalist evil and that, you know, yeah. like, you know, Eastern communist Europe has no part in that. And so I, w- I would get comments all the time like, oh, you're Americans? Like America is the worst country in the world. Wow. And I'm like, oh, okay. Pretty straightforward, yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate it. And I was like, have you ever been to the U.S.? I'm like, no. And they're like, I don't want to go. And I was like, well, how do you know? It's like, I've seen it on the TV. Like, oh, on your Russian state-controlled media? <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, That's funny. So, but like a lot of the younger generation really love the U.S. They're like, oh, yeah. Like, like a lot of them would like study English. Um, yeah. And a lot of them, and so it was just kind of like this, this like big contrast between those who didn't like the U.S. and um, those who really just couldn't care for it at all. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the younger generation, did they have like a lot of love for like American culture as well, like American music and stuff like that? Because I know in Japan, there's a little bit of that. Yeah. I had a lot of friends who were my age, you know, like at the time, like 20, 22. And uh, they, they really, you know, like. Like they, they loved spending time with us as American missionaries because they were able to practice their English with us. And we were, we were literally just like American teenagers, like walking around, you know what I mean? Yeah. They loved spending time with us. And um, like, although they had never been to the U.S. before, like they were super interested in like our culture and, you know, they just wanted to be a part of us, um, which was always really cool. You know what I mean? Like one of my friends, her name, her name is Anna. I always called her Anitka. She likes, she loves learning English. She loves hanging out with, you know, with us Americans. And that was always really fun. So yeah. Yeah, but I mean, and there were a lot of older people who really loved the U.S., but I'd say like a majority of the old people were like, Mm-mm, I don't want anything to do with the United States. Yeah. So, well, yeah, that's but as missionaries, we didn't talk about politics. Oh, that wasn't. Yeah. yeah. I, that makes sense. Uh, well, Dane, I really appreciate you doing this, man. I know that's kind of like a lot of it in a nutshell. Sure. I know there's probably a lot more details that no, no, could have gone to. It's uh, still a really cool thing to talk about. And those are the type of experiences that I'm sure a lot of people will love to hear about. And also they're important experiences for you going forward. I think you obviously already know this, but uh, equip you better for your future mm-hmm. and uh, incredibly unique stuff, like beyond just being a military kid to do something like that is um, yeah, super, super sure. cool. So, uh, yeah, once again, thank you. I can't wait to put this together and have people take a listen. Uh, yeah, for sure. Man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Best of luck going forward. Thanks, Shannon. I appreciate it.